On this week's episode, we have a good time with good time. Is anti-hero just a fancy word for douchebag? What do you think that guard saw on half a bottle of acid? And do we have to like good movies? Find out now you're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 24 Flames Per Second, the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. As always, I'm your host, everybody. My name is Robert Spiewak, and welcome to the show. This week, in honor of our good friend, Nate Sautel, who is moving to Portland next week, we are uh, we have a movie of his choice. We are pitting his friends against each other to argue about it in his absence, in honor of, of him and... The, you know, the few, the few episodes he's been here on the show. He's a good friend of ours. He's moving to Portland. We wish him the best. We are talking about Good Time this week. The Safdie Brothers uh, late night uh, crime spree comedy, maybe? I don't know. Um, we'll see. No, it's not funny. Well, it's kind of funny. Anyways. Um, but yeah, everybody from 2017, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it and... Uh, Try to do try to do Nate's would be arguments justice as we uh, uh, continue on into November with without him and on into the future while he's down putting a bird on it in Portland. So uh, everybody, thank you for uh, for tuning in. We're gonna we're gonna dive right into things here. Uh, across the table for me this week, the Corey to my Connie, Chris Pepper Hambrick. Hey there. Hi. How's it going? Um, not bad. How are you? Good. I'm doing yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting colder. Yeah, I we finally have turned the heat on. In the kind of studio. makes you think about robbing a bank, maybe. Maybe. Or, yeah. Yeah, so. you need more layers to do. Maybe so. so. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna need a lot more layers. <laughs> Latex masks. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for being here. Um, did you watch the movie this week? I certainly did. I'd never actually heard of it until mm-hmm. this week, so it was pretty great to get to discover something brand new to me. I recall your Slack message. Um, what is this? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was put on the schedule, and I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good good to have you here. Um, do you have any fun facts? Any information for us about the movie? Uh, yeah, a couple things. As you mentioned, it's the Softy brothers, Josh and Benny. Um, on this film, at least, Josh and Benny shared directing. Um, credit mm-hmm. and Josh and Ronald Bronstein were the writers and Benny was doing double duty as the brother Nick he plays Nick um, yeah so that's kind of kind of a little family affair so uh, that's kind of interesting um, it did pretty well uh, at Cannes it competed for the Palme d'Or and won oh. the soundtrack award so oh, um, interesting while I had not heard of this film it did get a little bit of buzz when mm-hmm. it came out so. Um, yeah, some yeah, interesting if, stuff in there. If I remember right, I saw it at like an AMC or something. And okay. I know that this is, you know, it's kind of an indie film, so I would, it definitely, I would have guessed that it, it definitely has did that well feel. somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely it's one of those things that uh, has a lot of critical acclaim compared to its, um, you know, the people who know about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. seems to be pretty popular amongst those who have uh, seen it. Yeah. Cool. I wonder well, if this is the movie that got patents in the Batman job. I have a feeling that it was. Maybe. We can talk more about that on the yeah. post show on the extended play, um, but uh, but but yeah. So um, that's great. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's jump into the uh, the, the the head-to-head that we've got here, uh, and so we'll start with the uh, with the roaster. And we've got a filmmaker and editor, a fellow podcaster, find his show Cinema Therapy, what, the one episode of it, oh. and back-to-back <laughs> films, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Jacob Foltz is here. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah? Yeah. It is cold. I can confirm <laughs> that. I shouldn't complain. It's not that outside. cold. It's just the suddenness of it caught me off guard. Yeah. Weird. I was talking you about know? that with somebody yeah. today. Yeah. But um. But yeah. I don't Beautiful know. sunset driving over Gorgeous. here. Gorgeous. Yeah. It was one of the best ones I've seen in a while. So mm-hmm. it was nice. Can't beat it. Here to have a good time. <laughs> yep. Uh, you stole my joke. Ah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh. But yeah, it's good to have you here. Do you want to say anything about Nate? <laughs> oh, Nate. Uh, behind his back or? Uh, yes. Off the record. Off the record. <laughs> uh, Nate. And uh, after watching this movie, it totally feels like a Nate movie to me. <laughs> I was going to say that to him on the show, but uh, it just feels like his kind of thing. It was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Well, let's uh, let's jump over to the defense. We've got a uh, teacher, writer, Godzilla expert, Ian Coleman's here. Hey, hey. How's it going, man? Pretty great. Yeah. So I'm just going to say this anyway, even though you already stole it from me. Uh, the sunset over here was beautiful. You might say I had a very good time driving up here, <laughs> up to the city. <laughs> Were you really going to start with the sunset, too? Yeah, I really was. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Freaking, you robbed Two people my job. You. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> oh, goodness. Do you, do you want to say anything to Nate as he's, uh, as he's parting for us for Portland? Yeah. Wishing you the best in your uh, new adventure, Nate. Um, you have impeccable taste in movies. Mm, um, so true. Yeah, no, you really do, and I'm really hope there's a lot of really great, uh, you know, really great art house theaters in Portland. So you'll still get to catch all the best shit as it comes out. Uh, hope you find a nice community of like-minded people, which you probably will, because it's Portland. So uh, yeah, no, wishing you the best and uh, pouring one out for you, buddy. Ooh, okay, well, great. Yeah, um, it's very sweet. Nate, we'll we'll miss you. Um, and so let's uh, let's dive, let's dive into things here, Ian. You know how it goes. We start moving in a minute. Uh, good time. Give us the full plot synopsis, spoilers and all, and we will uh, give you sixty seconds and a three count, and then you're off. Are you ready? Um, let's do it. Okay, great. Here we go. In three, two, one, go. All right, so this uh, movie is about two brothers, uh, Connie and Nick. Uh, Nick is uh, developmentally delayed, I would say, and so uh, the movie begins with Connie uh, bailing him out of like a, a, I don't know what it's called, not a blow. Anyway, so he bails him out of like therapy, and um, they go to rob a bank in order to you know buy a new life for themselves. Uh, the heist goes badly. Um, Nick ends up getting arrested, and uh, Connie is trying to collect the bail money. Um, his uh, first couple plans fail, and so he um, tries to break Nick out of a hospital where he's supposedly been taken after getting beaten up by an inmate, but he accidentally breaks out the wrong guy. And so they um, go and try to steal a Sprite bottle full of acid in order to sell it in order to you know, earn the bail money. Um, that goes bad too. Uh, Connie goes back to jail, and Nick gets put back in therapy, and it's implied that he'll be pretty happy there. And you did it with three seconds to spare. Wow. Oh, good job, man. Uh, sweet. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't have any cleanup to do. That was, the, that was like every story beat. Um, but, but yeah, everybody, that is good time. And so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Ian, we'll get your opening statements while you're here defending good time. So everybody, we will be right back. <laughs> <laughs> 
back, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are on the Good Time episode, and Ian Coleman just uh, masterfully completed a movie in a minute with three seconds to spare for Good Time. And uh, why don't you, uh, let's get your opening statements. Why are yeah. you here defending Good Time? Yeah, no, you might say that my uh, movie in a minute Jeez. was as uh, masterfully tense as the movie itself, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really tight well-composed uh, crime movie. I think it's a... I think this this was their debut film, right? The the Safdie brothers. Was this their debut film? Oh, directorial debut? The directorial debut. I'll get so back to you. Even if it wasn't their debut, I would definitely say it's their breakout film, and I definitely would say that, you know, they uh, burst onto the scene of, you know, filmmaking with uh, pizzazz and flair. I think it's a you know, really, you know, tightly written, tightly shot, which, you know, there's a lot of close-ups, so it's very tightly shot. Um, great soundtrack, um, yeah, really great characters, you know, just a really, like, well-done crime movie that, you know, is shot and delivered in such a way that really lingers in your brain after you finish it. You know, Robert Pattinson does a great job, you know, really makes a name for himself as, like, an actor outside of, like, the Twilight thing that kind of made him, you know, popular and well-known, and I'd say that he really you know, breaks out of that mold and establishes himself as a really, you know, classy, remarkable actor who can disappear into his characters. So, yeah, it's really well made. This is not their first feature. This is, oh. like, their fourth or fifth. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, but, 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 yeah. I let's... would definitely say it's their breakout, though. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Um, I don't know enough to definitely say maybe. otherwise. Mm. Um, and so, uh, Jacob, in turning it over to you. Sweet. Why don't we start with Why don't we start with direction? Let's start with just their direction of the film, and uh, everything that went into that. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so I, I I do think that this movie is pretty well made. You know, it's I like all those all those beats that you're 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 mentioning are are all there. Like the music and the how it's shot and the colorful lights and all that stuff. But it also it just it feels like they just took all that from Drive. The Nicholas uh, Winding Refn movie, like the the tones, the music, the how it's shot, it just it feels so like like it feels like such a post Drive movie that 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 came out. And I don't, I think I think it's fine when when filmmakers like copy others and like use like uh, like like mix ingredients that other filmmakers have done. But it just it feels so much like. Like just drive, <laughs> you know. Like you have this, like except it, except the the hero, or like the main character isn't an antihero. He's just a douchebag, you know. Like it, like the, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know you can definitely point out some similarities. You know, they both star like you know actors who were kind of known for being heartthrobs before this movie. It stars them in like these crime movies about these you know, heists that go terribly wrong and there's like these really horrible reversals and people suffer really horrible fates and there's like a synth soundtrack. So I can definitely see where you're coming from, but I do feel like that, you know, even though like you could probably be pretty comfortable place those movies on a shelf next to each other, I think that this movie, you know, carves out like an, an identity of its own. I think there's the, the setting where it's like, you know, Drive kind of had this, you know, 80s LA, you know, like... I wouldn't say it was like an isolated feeling movie, but like it always felt very, um, 
I don't know, like, I never really got the same sense of, like, crampedness and, like, crowdedness and, like, grunginess that I did from Good Time. It's, like, you can really just sort of feel, like, even in shots where it's just, like, you know, Pattinson in a hallway, like, it really, like, everything just feels so, like, worn down and, like, lived in. And you really, I think it does a really great job, like, making its, like, you know, New York City setting, like, really distinct. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, the it's got more of, like, the kind of, like, tilty, handheld kind of feel to it. It feels a little bit more, like, I would say, whereas I would say Drive is, like, a very, like, you know, well, like, meticulously pre-crafted, composed kind of movie. I'd say this is, like, very, you know, like, hold the camera, <laughs> all handheld, I'm doing a weird This gesture. whole time, there's yeah. been much arm shaking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of arm shaking, but that's because, like, that's the feeling that you get from watching the movie, is it's just, like, you know, everything's all moving, yeah. everything's all janky, everything's all shaky, and everything just feels kind of like, you know, like you're in a in an airplane with a lot of turbulence. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like that, but it's also, like, pretty smooth, you know? Like, when, like, there's a lot of shots of Pat Pattinson just walking, like, in the hospital and stuff that are like definitely like smooth as hell like like shots that like are reminiscent of drive and like the kind of like you're right there is some like grungy scenes like when he's trying to uh sleep with the 16 year old like that that whole <laughs> not that that grunginess of that but also like that whole like the setting the way the lights are set up the way the camera's moving in that location is very grungy and stuff but also it, it takes these other things from Drive that let that that feel that don't feel as grungy as the rest of the movie. You know, it feel it feels like uh, it just it. I don't know. It just feels like a feels like a copy. But I, but I think one one thing I wanted to talk about. I'm just gonna switch the conversation Go to something it. totally different. Uh, is that I think this movie is really good. I think it's really well made. I think all that the acting is really awesome. But mm -hmm. I I just didn't really enjoy watching it. Like I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't, uh, and I, I think this is really a, um, like, a, a, an interesting topic that I think we should talk about is like, what like I think this movie is valuable and remarkable, but I didn't, I didn't like it. You know, like I didn't, I didn't like watching it. Um, and I think it's because of how hard it is, like how how harsh it is, and how unforgiving it is with its character who's very very unlikable um and uh, not in like a unlikable in a good way but in just like so unlikable that it, it just it, there's no like human there you know and i i think that is kind of where i landed <laughs> after watching it's just like that like there's nothing there's like not a person it just doesn't feel like there's a person there um, for, to me, I'm gonna push back against the you know Robert Pattinson not being that his character not being very humane. I think that like his, you know, both like his greatest strength and like his you know greatest flaw is that like he loves his brother too much, or at least like he loves his brother in like a pure you know emotional way and doesn't really like think rationally about what's best for him. I think that like he like his entire motivation is essentially to you know like you know, get enough money so that he and his brother can go, like, live out on a farm and do whatever they right, want. I right. think that he's not using it for selfish reasons. Like, if anything, like, he's he's putting himself in harm's way, and, like, he puts so many other people in harm's way so that he can provide for, like, this very vulnerable person who does, you know, need protection. But I think that he just has too much hubris to accept that, like, he's probably not the best person to care for him. Dude, but. I just don't... Th I, like, I think that's something that is applied after the fact. Like, I don't think that's... 
what his actual intention, like as he's going through it. Like, I feel like you could look at it, be like, oh, he's just trying to save his brother. But like, that doesn't, it, that doesn't uh, give a reason for a lot of the shit that he does in this. Like, yeah, he's after money for it, but like, why does he uh, try to bang the 16 year old? You know what I mean? Like, like, why does he, like, there's no money there. Like, he's just doing it because he's selfish. You know, he's well, he a was... selfish, selfish person. And I think he, he hides his selfishness. He uses his disabled brother as an excuse to be more selfish. Well, he was banging the 16. I think he was, well, okay, I guess he did try to bang her, but. He was doing that to distract her from the newscast that was going on about him at the time. Like, you know, the, the newscast starts playing, it shows his picture, and like in that moment he's gonna like not he doesn't jump her, but he sort of like he, he leans in and then he, you know, starts macking on her. But it's it's a very, you know, out of the blue, you know, intense gesture that is going to make her forget about the the news story that's just coming on the TV. So I think like it's, you know, he's not like a pervert. It was a strategic move. I don't think that he harbors any romantic feelings toward her or like really any, you know, lust for her or like anybody else really. Like he essentially is pretty content to like abandon her, you know, in that zoo when everything goes down. Right. <laughs> but that's what's selfish about it. Like that's, that's the, like he's, he's using, he's using everyone else around him as as pawns for his grand scheme, you know, and I, I think there, there, there's, that's like what a crime movie often is, but it's, um, but it just makes it so hard to watch. <laughs> like it makes it so hard to enjoy because there, it just doesn't feel like there's like that element of a person there, except for that he takes care of his brother. But even that doesn't feel like he's actually one hundred percent taking care of his brother. It feels like he's just using it as an excuse to be an asshole. What would you say his motivation is? I don't, that's, that's, that's why I think I struggle with the movie. As like, I, I think that his motivation could be the, the brother. It could be that, but it doesn't feel like he is going about it the, in the right way for his brother. You know what I mean? No, he's he's definitely not. I would say he's probably not a person with like a lot of education or like the, the kind of person who's like, you know, I don't think he's had the skills, you know, the opportunity to develop the skills to like think things through and like, uh, you know, rational way other than like, you know, the on the feet planning that you have to do to like get out of a sticky situation. I think right. that the movie, you know, does a good job of establishing him as like a very like present moment thinker, but he's not necessarily like a, he's tricksy, but he's not necessarily like a, you know, long-term strategic planner. Like, you know, no, he no, essentially no. like, he's like, we're going to give them a bunch of money and we're going to like go to the country and buy a farm somewhere. It's like, okay, well, do you have, you know, like some property already scoped out? Like, <laughs> do you have cows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, do you have cows? Like what's your plan to like sustain yourself after you get that money? Like, I think the movie is consistent in the way that it establishes him as like a, you know, not long-term planner, but, you know, I mean, essentially he's that way at the beginning and he kind of, you know, stays that way throughout the movie. So it might not be like a likable character or at least he makes, he makes unlikable choices, but he's consistent. And I think that his, you know, motivation to take care of his brother, despite his many flaws and the many people he hurts, like is very true. And I think that it's like that one, like, that's essentially like the core beating heart of him that I think makes him feel humane in spite of all the terrible things that befall the people that get in his path. Hmm. Can I ask a question about Nick? Um, 
does either of you have any feelings or anything to say about like the portrayal of disability mm. um, in this uh, film? That's some, so I wanted mm. to bring that up because I I don't know. I don't know. Like it feels <clears throat> weird to have the director portray a disabled person like in 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 general, like it feels weird that, that that this guy decided to do this role for him. I'm sure he did a bunch of research and stuff. Do you but mean do you mean someone who does not have that condition I, yes. portraying it? Yes, okay. yes, yes, okay. yes. Yeah. Um, which I so I'm totally open for, you know, people playing disabled people or people playing anyone really for that matter um, with within a, a certain um, cultural. There are some things that are given not okay. historical context. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but. Uh, but for this, like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Like, it, it was one of those things where it was like, when I found that out, I was like, oh, like I, like it. This little like alarm went off in my brain. I wasn't sure if I should like worry about it or not. Like, so I, I, I'm open for other people to be upset about it, but I don't really know. I don't, I don't, like, I want to like see if that was upsetting for someone. You know what I mean? But I, I didn't do that research, so I don't know. I think for me, you know, what, at least for my personal feelings, and I think, you know, there, there are people that probably have a perspective on this that I don't have. And so, you know, if, if you do and this movie upset you, like, yeah, I think you're probably totally justified to feel that way. But at least for my personal taste, what makes for like an offensive portrayal of like a, you know, developmentally disabled person is like, if that is like their sole defining characteristic then I have a problem with it. But I think the movie does go out of its way to make Nick feel like a person who like happens to have that condition as opposed to just like him being that condition. And I think that, you know, I think that's sort of like one of the other things that the movie really smartly plays with is I feel like, at least as far as like Connie seems to talk about him, it's like that is kind of how he sees his brother as like this, you know, vulnerable thing to be taken care of and only he can do it. But I feel like... You know, at least as far as, like, the movie shows, it's, like, he is more, like, capable than I think Connie seems to see him as. And I think that he's, you know, in a better place than Connie thinks that he is. So I think that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that there was, he felt like a human being as opposed to just, like, a, you know, uh, a MacGuffin to be saved. Mm. At least to me. And I could easily see, like a like, a Twitter article mm. that's like this is bad you know what i mean like for this movie yeah. like i could easily see that just because it is a director mm-hmm. but i don't i don't know if i would be a, i just don't know yeah i think i think i just don't have the the perspective that i need to have an you know a, a nuanced and informed opinion about it but from yeah. what i was able to digest i wasn't bothered by it no i wasn't bringing it up to say yay or nay either way um, because I am also not an expert but it was something that I noticed and thought I think it bears examination Mm -hmm. um, just because of the cultural context of this and you know a lot of the movement for people to you know like the own voices type of thing like you know casting people who you know fully understand like these conditions or or whatever or if you can't um, you know at least making sure you've done your due diligence and making sure that they're not a plot device right because what we what we do know of this film, and I think this is totally debatable, but what we do know about Nick is that he is the catalyst for the initial action in the sense that he is living with his grandmother, right? They're living mm-hmm. with their grandmother, mm-hmm. and he um, got upset and became violent 
and through a frying pan Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, became a danger to himself or others. And that is what got him into this initially this program that Connie then feels the need to break him out of and Mm. and get the money. So in a way, he is being set up as as the the plot mover without having uh, agency in the plot. Um, so that's just a point I wanted to bring up to see how we feel about it. Again, like I, yeah. I am not coming down one way or another on right. it, but I thought it, it bore like Something. discussion. Yeah. Well, just to put down my side for a second, I mm. honestly don't, <laughs> sorry, I don't have a problem with, um, I know a lot of people have a problem with this, but I don't. When, uh, a character when other characters are like the 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 MacGuffin or the 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 driver of a goal, and that character is a little weak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I just don't really mind that. I think a lot of times what ends up happening is, for the sake of having diversity, a lot of those characters who are pretty weak or are pushing the plot happen to be um, women or or minorities and not white dudes, and it sucks, and it should be switched. But I, I don't have a problem with a story being crafted around a central character and having that person drive the the heart of the story. And I think too many um, people who who watch movies get upset when that th- that single character is like that, and it happens to be a white dude. Um, yeah, I, I do want to I want to push back slightly. I I just want no. I just want to be really clear. I'm mentioning it not because I think that it is inherently wrong for. Um, someone to play a character with whatever condition or that it's wrong to make that part of the plot, right? I think what what people point out, like these these Twitter rants or Twitter articles that you, you made, I think what frustrates people is when that is the predominant portrayal, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, so yes. so I just wanted Systemic. to be clear I just wanted to be clear that I'm not pushing back necessarily against like, oh, this should never be portrayed or this should never be done or this should never be a plot point. You shouldn't it's not that you should never kill you know, the girlfriend, like right. the plot, to, you know, calls for it. Yeah, it's sense. just that it's, it's a really easy thing to pin on a weaker character or a minority in order to get the plot moving. So right. I, I don't want this to become a whole discussion about like this movie <laughs> did this thing. But if there is frustration, it might be based on that systemic thing rather than yeah. like a, a one portrayal. So that's just you know something to something I, to keep in mind. I, yeah, I think you're 100%. as consumers and producers of, yeah. of content. Mm. So. I think you're 100 percent on but, the money with yeah. that because I, I think it's 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 hard when you're when you're do, crafting your own story, but then when you look at it in the grand scheme of th- I mean look at what uh, racial reconciliation films you know like Green Book and shit. <laughs> like everyone's like okay like we get it you know but like Green Book by itself is like a a, a fine movie but when every movie does the same racial right. reconciliation thing it's just like fuck off you know what i mean um so yeah totally totally with yeah. you on that yeah i think like the condition is so like vaguely defined and like mm. not important to the plot that it really doesn't feel like a central thing like it'd be one thing if like you know somebody explicitly said like oh you know he's he's very low functioning autistic and he were like behaving in these ways that like clearly showed that like the filmmakers didn't do their research into what a person with that condition would actually behave like. But I feel like, you know, I mean, it does create a very like organic way for, you know, this character to be protective of this person. And like, it would definitely not be the same movie if it were him like trying to save his kid brother. I think that, you know, this, you know, him having to like save him from this, you know, really, 
you know, like the harsh system of being in jail does do a really good, the adult system of jail kind of do, it does a really good job of like painting that, you know, like I can understand why Connie would feel the need to, you know, put everyone else in jeopardy to protect this person. I think it's skillfully used, skillfully used. I have another discussion question unless you have something Go for it. Go for it. That brings me to my Mm. other Uh discussion question, Uh which is how you guys feel (coughs) familial relationships are approached in this this movie. We have a lot of examples. We have Connie and Nick, but we also have... What is her name in the movie? Corey. Corey and her mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have the 16-year-old and her... Who does not look 16 at all, but... (laughs) Um, Crystal? And, yeah, I think it's Crystal. And yeah. her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we feel? Like, I mean, I feel like that's a, a major theme of the movie is 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 the connections between people. Um, so how do you guys feel about those connections? I, I would say that kind of a, you know, um, at least a, a motif that I kind of noticed popping up is like codependence. Whereas, like, you you kind of get the sense that, like, you know, Connie and Nick, like, lean on each other in these really, like, unhealthy ways. Like, you know, like, Connie kind of depends on Nick to, you know, kind of give him some definition. And, like, Nick depends on Connie even though he really shouldn't. Like, he, he needs to recognize that, you know, this this person isn't really the best to care for me. Um, I think that, you know, Corey and her mom and, like, that one exchange that we get, like, is a really fucking, like, bleak portrayal of that. You know, where, you know, we get this kind of, like, oscillation between, you know, like, oh, like, you're screwing me over, but, oh, I love you so much, and no, I didn't mean to make you feel sad, but I'm sorry that I stole your credit card. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, or at least, like, I guess in regards to, like, the, the crystal and the grandma, I would say it's kind of the opposite of that, where it's, like, it's, it's very, um, it, it feels very distant, at least in the way that Crystal treats her grandma, but it also does kind of feel like an organic way for a... Uh, a teenager to treat like an older authority figure. But yeah, I would yeah. say there's there's really not like a family relationship that's portrayed as being, you know, balanced. I'd say it kind of oscillates between codependence and like, you know, inability to communicate. It, it, and it feels like there's like two roles, like there's a giver and a taker mm-hmm. in each one, you know? And it, it, it it's almost like, like Connie's character is, <coughs> is, masking as a giver (laughs) but then he's like taking from everyone else you know like he's he's like it feels like he's using his brother like he's justifying all of his actions by um having a disabled because he's doing it for his disabled brother so he just like it feels like he, he he he's okay with like how like like the shitty things that he does because of that yeah it's very walter whitey like you know oh like all these dozens of people and you know all these many many people can get murdered but you know as long as my family's provided for it's all okay right and it feels like an afterthought like that wasn't why you did it because like even like i think walter white's a great example because walter white was talking like the whole thing was like i gotta provide for my family but then and actually like at the end of the show he's like it's because i like to do it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i'm just evil i'm just an evil person um and it kind of feels like that with connie uh a little bit like it feels like he kind of likes it like he kind of relishes in it and frankly he's good at it you know he's yeah. he's good at Is doing he? all these things I, think he's I would sneaky. say he. I would say he's really good. I would say he's good. He's very perceptive. He's he's sneaky. He's. Um, I think he does have some. Uh, 
insight to how what people are gonna do. Like he like when the bomb like when the the money bomb thing goes off. Oh, like yeah, packs. it's yeah. yeah the backpacks. It's stupid. Like he should have thought of that. But when it does happen, he knows exactly what to do and where to go and how to take care of his his disabled brother doing it. So I, I think he's like skillful in that regard. Yeah, I think that that's that's one of the aspects that I really liked about the movie is like whenever he like talks to somebody or like the conversations where like people get tricked or deceived like always really feels authentic. Like there's always like that initial moment of like, you know, like they they might resist him or they might not believe him at first. But then like you can kind of like I really like the way that he like slowly like kind of breaks down their defenses and, you know, gets you know, he, he, like, gets through them, but, like, you can also really see the way that, like, you know, people do try to, like, you know, question him and, like, kind of protect themselves and, like, set boundaries and, like, he breaks them, but I also, I think that speaks to, like, the strength of this movie in that even though these characters kind of do end up victims of his in a sense, like, they still feel like human beings with lives and not, like, you know, just, like, these, uh, these little devices that move the plot along. And everyone's, like, so down, though. Like, like even, mm. like, the, like, Crystal and her grandma are just, like, having hard times. Like, the security guard is having a, is a security guard, and he's just, like, getting shit on. But, like, he's getting punched <laughs> in the face. Like, it just, like, it's just such a bummer. Like, it's just such a, like, a, like a bummer movie. And, like, I, I, I know it's, like, probably cool that that he's, like, oh, he can, like, Oh, he's switching the you know security guard. He's gonna wear that, and he's gonna believe that. Like, and there's like that thing in your brain that like turns on and it's like, oh, that's like he's figuring it out. You know, he's solving the, the thing. But it's just like, this movie like uses its like. Uh, Nate's a big fan of um, Italian neorealism. That's his mm -hmm. thing. And this movie feels a lot like it's taking from Italian neorealism, but is applying a gangster crime thing mm. on top of that. Like, it feels like the world <clears throat> is like impoverished and run down. I mean, look at the, how it's shot. It's all grungy. We were talking yeah. about that earlier. But because it has this, like, very sad thing and then there's all this, like, sexy crime stuff on the top of it, it just, like, I don't know to feel, like, should I feel, like, awesome about this, like, guy who's doing all this cool shit or should I just feel like garbage because all these innocent people are getting hurt? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think the crime is glamorized. Like, I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, yeah, like, I want to be Pattinson. Like, you know, you see Ryan Gosling in Drive, which we were, like, comparing this to earlier. It's like, Ryan Gosling is fucking cool in that movie. Like, I want that scorpion jacket. I want to feel that cool, you know, riding in my car, you know, dodging the cops, listening to, like, my, you know, 80s throwback synth music. I did not want to be Pattinson in, like, any circumstance in this movie whatsoever. And I think that even in those scenes where he's having to, like, you know skillfully maneuver his way past like people or some obstacle like it always feels like you feel bad about how he does it you feel bad about the person that he's hurting and you it never feels pleasant like he's you know like you see the guy trying to dangle from the window and he falls or like he, you know i don't know i would the rundown aesthetic i think like applies to everything in the movie even the things that would look cool in other movies yeah i think that's i mean that's totally fair like i think that's why i just didn't like it like yeah. i just didn't like the the my enjoy like it was hard to like enjoy you know mm -hmm. like uh just because it it's just such it's just so hard like it like maybe it's just the american in me or something 
Hmm, maybe I need that glam. Maybe yeah. I need that gangster with yeah, the Tommy I th- gun. I think if the movie were any longer than it was, it would be a really hard watch. Like, but it, it it does move by in like a very brisk like ninety minutes, and I feel like that is just like the perfect length for this. Like, you know, it is grungy and it is, but we never really linger too long in any one location or like doing you know any one thing. Like, it's it's always moving at like a very good pace. I think it's really tight. Hmm. Well, on that note. We can t- start unmasking everybody. So, uh, Ian, we'll start with you. How do you really feel? Uh, I haven't really been wearing a mask. I, mm. you know, I can see what you're saying, Jacob, and it, it it is a hard watch. It definitely isn't one that I would, you know. Oh, oh, lazy Sunday afternoon. What am I gonna watch? <laughs> ah, I'm gonna go watch Good Time. Yeah, that feels like a really good way to just, you know, spend this, you know, afternoon inside. Uh, I'm probably not gonna do that, but I, I definitely can see myself watching this again. Um, I do think that. It's like this movie was not on my radar at all before I got, you know, asked to be on this panel. And I find myself like really enjoying it. And like I'm there are there are moments that I'll just like think back to. Like I think that's a that's a sign that like a movie that I really like the movie is like if I'm if it's been like a couple of weeks since I've watched it and I'm just like thinking back to a moment. And I find myself doing that with this movie. And so, you know, Nate, thanks for putting this on my radar and for making (laughs) me watch it. I do feel like it's a you know, really just well-constructed, well-acted, well-shot, well-scored film. And I'm definitely down to see that that Sandler movie that these guys are making next. Yeah, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Yeah. And I'm definitely down to check out the rest of their filmography. All right, Jacob? <clears throat> um, I, you know, this, this is a good movie. Obviously, I said that multiple times. Mm. But, uh, I, you know, my, I've... I was being a little superficial with like it and dislike it. Like, obviously, it's not an enjoyable movie, you know. But I, I, I guess, um, I did like it. Like, I liked watching it. Um, and I, I was attempting to channel the, uh, like what I presume is an American, uh, like Amer- I feel like American film goers are don't enjoy like heavy or divisive films. Like overall, you know. I mean, just look if you just look at our. Uh, all of our commercial uh, films. Yeah. That came out. So I guess I was trying to channel that, but I'm I just like weird shit, man. Like I, yeah. like, I'm just so into like anything that's weird, different that that feel, that has a different kind of tone. And you know, I really I'm glad that I brought up uh, Drive uh, because you were you uh, were able to uh, distinguish uh, these two films in a really interesting way. Talking about how one's kind of grungy, but they you could tell like one like drive like this is inspired by drive probably inspired by drive a little bit, but just like those differences. Uh, that that you outlined in in regards mm. to I thought was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I definitely I like this movie. I think it's cool. Um, I I think I'm in your camp where I don't know if I would maybe I'd watch it again. Um, but I don't I don't know if it's like a, you know a plug and play you know on a, no. on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon you know. Um, but, you have to prepare to sit down and watch it. Yeah, yeah. So I think in the like the right in the right like mood i think anyone can really enjoy this movie if, if you like know what you're getting into you know mm-hmm. um, i feel like it'd be a good like angry movie like, <laughs> like if you're angry just to yeah watch this. like yeah. like that, that that's hereditary for me like it's my angry movie it's like i'm i'm, I'm in a bleak mood so i'm just gonna watch people suffer for two hours dude i just freeze frame that shot of the girl on the, <laughs> on the street you know just yeah the, the head with the flies and, yeah <laughs> 
spoilers. All right. But, uh, yeah, Chris, Chris, what about you? First time viewer. Yeah. Um, so I think I appreciate the existence of this movie more than I appreciate watching this movie. Mm. Like, yeah. I, I find it, like, mm. totally respectable. Um, like, I really like the indie sensibility. Um, and I'm trying not to sneeze right now. <laughs> um, I really appreciate, like, the look and feel of it more because it had one and it mm. felt like a it felt like a work that like there was a stamp on it it felt mm. like yeah. like the work of someone who like cared about movies and is making movies and is doing their own thing and i really liked that i'm not sure that i'm the audience necessarily right. um and that's not a demo thing that's just a like i like unlikable characters but like i really didn't see a lot redeeming about about connie mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i i believe that his uh regard for his brother is ultimately extremely selfish. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I believe that that essentially Nick is the only person that Connie has been able to retain in his life who is able to to um, put up with him. Partly because... <laughs> yeah, that's so part, true. Look, partly, <laughs> yeah. partly because of his dependence and his disability. So there's yeah. a way in which, like like you said, Jacob, that, there, that he is using Nick in order to further his own sort of drama um, of, yeah. of what he needs to do. And, mm-hmm. and that is all really, really interesting. I'm not sure the movie really dealt with that. There are, there are indications, like the ending, I think, the is a ending, good indication yeah. of that. Of so that character shift. I guess, I guess like, yeah. to cut me off myself, um, interesting film, glad it exists. I don't think I'll be watching it again. Um, <laughs> but but I, I am interested to see what they produce in the future because I do think there's like an interesting sensibility going on here and I look yeah. forward to seeing where it goes. The, they're going to the, get a Marvel movie. I'm calling it right now. One of, the, one of these days they're going mean, to get a Marvel they're gonna movie. Cool, they're going to get... Cool, I'd be into it. Batman, they'll they'll get a Disney Plus series. They'll, they'll, a Disney yeah. Plus series. They'll, they'll do the Daredevil the, reboot. Well, the tone yeah. of it is really consistent. I think that's yeah. what that's yeah. what you were yeah. trying to say. But I, yeah, I absolutely. Like it has, it has a language of its own. It has like a flavor. Um... You know, and, and I definitely appreciate that, like, in a world of, you know, a lot of stuff is pretty cookie cutter, and it, this is not. Yes. Mm-hmm. At the same yes. time, I'm not convinced this was the story that I thought was worth telling. Yeah. So, mm. um, That's fair. So, again, I uh, think it's well done. I'd like to see them try their hand at something else. That's that's actually a really interesting point, because a lot of movies that are like this are like that. Like, they have, like, the this weird tone, this weird mm-hmm. feeling, but it, but it like, ends okay, up being, what like... What was the point? Yeah, it feels it feels like a little like the, a little loose on certain elements, like uh, like like the character, you know, like the character uh, progression or or the plot or something. This movie has a ton of plot. So yeah, it's definitely there's not a lot the plot. of stuff that happens. The plot is amazing in this movie. I but, think for me, it's that sorry, it's that it, that it's that it needs to it move at such a brisk pace that it doesn't really like have time to examine those things in depth. But I think like it leaves enough there for you to kind of stew on yourself as a viewer. So I, yeah, at least sure. for me, it it kind of had that balance really well. And it's like, I feel like if you, if you're going to spend like 20 minutes, like, you know, pondering on one thing, you kind of risk the, you know, you, you risk turning into like a pretentious navel gazing movie. I think <laughs> that this, this movie works on that character level. And it also just works as like a really, you know, thrilling white knuckle crime, crime movie. Yeah. What do you yeah. think, Robert? I <clears throat> agree with a lot of what you said, Chris. Uh, I, I, I think that like something that's really exciting about this movie is that like we kind of get to discover that Robert Pattinson like can play right too and um, I think that 
that is i think you're right that this is it was his like jumping off to more interesting things he was getting mm-hmm. painted as like you know the guy from twilight and <laughs> blah 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 and now like he i don't know he's got the the lighthouse just came out and yeah. he's got he's gonna be batman he's in and... claire denis uh the uh high life oh god oh that's right yeah, yeah yeah um and so like i think that it serving that purpose is is actually pretty good um and then i also just think that there's something to capturing like, like like this story, probably like this has happened to somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this whole this the whole oh, yeah. story plays out in a realistic way. Like Connie doesn't get redeemed; he goes to jail. Um, Nick gets out of his get gets away from him finally and has a chance to be happy doing something else. And or as far as far as we know, we're left and he's joining in this group activity right at this new therapy. Uh, class or group or whatever whatever it is and like I think that capturing that and the the chaos of a night that you just don't know what's going to happen next like you don't Mm -hmm. know what's like things just keep going wrong and I think before everyone got here I was describing it as like Connie just keeps putting a band-aid over a band-aid over a right. band-aid <laughs> yeah. and it just doesn't ever get any better <laughs> like nothing yeah. ever yeah. It keeps bleeding. you're not gonna fix this yeah, yeah that's yeah. a really good summary actually yep. yeah. and uh, and so I think that that kind of like creating a story that's thrilling in a really realistic way that isn't just like a writing that isn't doesn't feel like riding a roller coaster it's mm-hmm. like just kind of this like thinker that you're kind of just like I don't know what's going to happen to these people Yeah, is is really cool that's something that I really loved about this movie is that like I understood why every character was doing what they were doing like even the side characters mm-hmm. like even just like that that cab driver when you know like Ray is doing his oh, flashback and he's, and he's like, like get, out of, no, get out of my car like I'm not getting yeah. fucked over by you again yeah, it's like yeah. even in just that line like you can you can sense this whole history there of like this you know cab driver who's like probably spent like you know his career as a cab driver like having this experience over and over again and this time he's like fucking through with it like yeah i really did get a sense of the history of like every character and i thought that was just remarkable how clear everybody's motivation is and i feel like Mm -hmm. especially with like a lot of the block like i saw this and joker like on the same weekend and like that yeah i mean that was was just a movie where it's like i I don't know i never understood in that movie like why people were doing what they were doing and then i watched this like right after they're living in a society god damn Ugh. <laughs> I see, ah, wait, that's I've where just, that sentence ends. That seen, they're yeah. living in a society. I've seen the memes. Okay. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Yes. Probably not going to. That of that that but. moment is where the movie just like dropped me. But anyway, <laughs> wow. yeah, it felt like a breath of a breath of fresh air yeah. just to have fucking dramatic clarity, which yeah. <laughs> is a rare thing well, to have in blockbusters when, these when days. You were talking about how each character is like that. It's like the whole like community is like that in this movie. You mm. know, and I, they're I, all so that's, dumb. They're all yeah. They're also. Well, okay, like, they, they have a certain canniness, like, yeah. you know, but th- some of the decisions, like, I guess I understand why what their motivations are, but some of their choices are not great. No. Yeah, and I, anyway. think, I think, like, as viewers, we kind of like that. Like, we kind of want to see them kind of, like, struggle, you know. Well, we want to see them, like, we want to see the, re- the arc where they learn from the mistakes they've made. Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. that this movie is bravely, like, he doesn't learn anything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he, he might. He may Well, have. I don't know. Because he's not as... 
he might not be no. selfish at the end. At the end, he makes a big speech that is basically he's saying that like you're useless, you're you perform no function in society, and yeah. obviously it's about him. But there is no way that, that he is connecting is connecting wires, that yeah. at right. all to himself. I guess I mean like, after. he is completely not self-aware. Yeah. Like yeah. he has no idea. Anyway, and I don't think I don't think this movie is about. Connie attaining self-awareness. No, no, no I don't think it is at all. Yeah. But I think that, just to go back to what you were saying, how everyone is, like, all broken and or whatever. Or, like, not broken, but, like, they... they Like, you can, you have a real sense of, like, what the world is that he mm-hmm. is living in. Yeah. Um, and that aspect, I think, is something that Nate really likes about this movie. Because mm. uh, he's, he's a huge fan of that kind of stuff, like I said before, but the Italian neorealism of it, you know, it, it's, it's just the... Um, being able to like see people that are um, in poverty trying to function while in poverty and not really knowing what to do about it when there's so much crime around them mm-hmm. is really Nate's cup of tea. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, I think we can uh, put this put this episode to rest, to bed, yeah. to uh, an end. I had um, a good time. Uh, good. Oh, I think we all did. <laughs> I had a good time. Yeah, this was this was a good discussion. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we can we can keep talking more on the uh, on the post show on our extended play post show. Um, but yeah, if you want to listen to that, head over to patreon.com slash twenty four flamespod and you can get that and a bunch of other content that's uh, that's waiting there for the for the getting to. Um, it's all a good time. And uh, <laughs> I've got to put the dings in this episode. Uh, but yeah everybody thank you for listening if you've got thoughts about good time you think we should know email us at 24flamespod at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at 24flamespod you can also leave a rating or review subscribe and more people will find the show and it will make our show better based off that feedback and it is this great positive feedback loop of everything getting better unlike for Connie and um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that being said, Nate, we'll miss you. Have fun in Portland. We'll uh, we'll come visit sometime, maybe. Have a good time in Portland. Have a good time in Portland. <laughs> Eat a voodoo donut for me, because uh, I can't, because I'm diabetic. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Eat two. a maple bacon. <laughs> Eat the Fruit Loops one. That's, no, no, that's a good one, too. Out of control. Um, but, but yeah, Nate, we'll, uh, we'll miss you. Thank you for suggesting the movie, and uh, everybody, we will uh, catch you on next week's episode, which I'm pretty sure is the movie Frozen. I'm checking to confirm. What? But... Who's... Nope, who's just kidding. Ro- roasting is, Frozen. Oh, there's people beat roasting. Them up. There's people roasting Frozen. I'm Anyways, but up. next week is actually My Fair Lady and then Frozen. So next week, come back for a loverly time. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody, uh, we will uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, Nate, I hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> okay, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Fish media. Yeah.